Welcome to the Macmillan Report. I'm Marilyn Wilkshire, host, and our guest is David Cameron, professor of political science at Yale and the director of the program in European Union Studies at the Macmillan Center. Professor Cameron teaches courses on European politics and the European Union. Over the past several weeks, the European Union has been caught up in a crisis over the size of the budget deficit in Greece. There's been speculation that Greece might default on its debt and may need a bailout by other member states of the EU or even the IMF. There's even been speculation that Greece might be forced to give up the euro and leave the eurozone. Some think the crisis could spread to other countries in Southern Europe, Spain, Portugal, Italy, that, like Greece, participate in the Eurozone but have large budget deficits and high levels of debt. Meanwhile, as we recently saw in Greece, there have been huge demonstrations and strikes protesting the government's efforts to reduce their deficits. Professor Cameron joins us today to discuss the current Eurozone crisis, why it has arisen and what's likely to happen in the near future and the longer term. Welcome, Professor Cameron. Thanks, Marilyn. Why did this crisis arise? Well, this crisis arose um, for several reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, a year ago, uh, Greece projected a deficit of 5% of its GDP. Mm -hmm. There was an election in October, uh, last October, and a new government came into office, and it uh, reported that Greece's deficit figures were not correct, and in fact, the deficit would be, rather than 5%, about 13% of GDP. Wow. And they said uh, that the previous government had falsified the figures. Um, that added a strong sense uh, of anxiety among those who hold the very large amount of debt that I'll Greece bet. has in the world, some 300 billion euros. Um, so that was a, that's a real problem, uh, that the deficit is so high uh, in a country that has such a high debt uh, and um, the credibility issues. So those taken together really created a problem. Uh, mm -hmm. Greece has to go into the markets repeatedly this year to raise money, about 55 billion euros. Uh, and uh, investors are somewhat anxious and reluctant and uh, concerned about whether Greece can pay uh, back its debt um, and whether it might instead default or the EU might have to intervene. But those are some of the background uh, features that have come into play in the last month or so. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about the deficit. Why is it such an important issue for Greece and the other countries that participate in the Eurozone? Okay, the Eurozone is the set of member states of the European Union that have uh, locked their exchange rates, mm -hmm. uh, agreed to replace their national currencies with the Euro, uh, and have turned over monetary policy to the European Central Bank in Frankfurt. Uh, and one of the conditions of membership in the Eurozone and one of the continuing conditions for member states that are in the Eurozone is that they uh, keep their deficit under 3% mm -hmm. of GDP. Now that's a completely arbitrary number. It was concocted about 20 years ago for reasons that are somewhat mysterious, but nevertheless, the, all the member states have been 
committed to that, uh, deficits over 3% of GDP are regarded as excessive. So we have Greece as a country which everyone thought had a deficit of 5%. It now turns out it's about 13%. Uh, so it has to uh, bring its deficit down mm -hmm. uh, at a time when it's experiencing very low growth. In fact, this year the projections are negative growth. Its unemployment rate is already over 10%. Uh, but that's, that's the essence of the, uh, of the problem, that they have a deficit that has to be uh, um, brought uh, to re reduced basically from 13 percent to 3 percent. Wow. Okay, so the new Greek government has said that it would reduce the deficit this year by four percentage points of GDP and bring it down to 3 percent of GDP by 2013. Do you think that is realistic? Uh, it's uh, going to be exceptionally difficult. I could exceptionally difficult both fiscally and politically. Mm -hmm. it, it's difficult fiscally because what that means is they have to raise taxes uh, on all kinds of commodities, um, um, alcohol, fuel, cigarettes, uh, income, tremendous amount of tax evasion in the country that they have to deal with. Uh, they will probably have to raise their value-added tax, the VAT tax. In addition, they have to cut spending uh, and that means cutting spending on uh, pensions, on health care, um, on public employment, cutting wages, uh, cutting the number of workers. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to do that. Uh, it would be a heroic uh, step if they could actually reduce their deficit from 13 to 3 percent over three years. Uh, I don't think anyone really thinks they will do it, mm -hmm. but they clearly have to head in that direction, uh, and that's really the, the challenge for them. Now, what makes sure. this politically difficult is that the new government is uh, headed by the PASOK party. Uh, Papandreou is the leader of the PASOK party, the Pan-Hellenic Socialist Party. It's a left party. Uh, it's uh, connected with uh, public sector and private sector unions and much of the um, reduction in the deficit uh, in terms of reducing spending, increasing taxes, is going to hit its core constituency, workers, public sector workers, uh, so forth. So it's very difficult for them to uh, sell this politically, and we saw yesterday a national uh, general strike of public and private sector workers. There was a public sector general strike to uh, weeks ago, uh, and it will be very difficult for the government to sell this, um, uh, and that's the real challenge. So it's a double challenge, both a fiscal challenge uh, and a um, uh, and a, um, a political challenge. Sure. Okay, you've talked about the deficit. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit now about the debt and how they're connected. Okay. Well, Greece is unusual among the sixteen. Uh, Eurozone member states, mm -hmm. uh, in that it is the only one uh, that has a double digit budget deficit and a triple digit debt to GDP ratio. Uh, it has uh, over one, well over 100% of debt relative to G GDP. Uh, it ha that's about 300 billion. It has to go into the markets, as I said, for about 55 billion euros this year. 
Uh, and uh, it's already gone in uh, once in late January for $5 billion. The debt was oversubscribed, but uh, it required them to pay a very high interest rate. Uh, they are planning to go into the markets again very shortly for another $5 billion, mm -hmm. probably, uh, but they will also pay a substantial risk premium mm -hmm. on that debt as well. The real challenge will come, though, in April and May when they have to go into the markets for 20 to 25 billion uh, to redeem uh, some of the debt that is coming mm -hmm. due. So they're faced with a real challenge and the real test is going to be what happens when they go back into the markets uh, and, um, and will there be people who will buy the debt. Wow, okay. Now the EU, uh, the leaders of the EU met recently to um, I guess, determine whether or not they are going to give some assistance to Greece, and apparently they have not decided to do so. Um, can you shed some light on that? Yeah, there was a meeting uh, two weeks ago of the European leaders, the heads of state and mm -hmm. government. Uh, they're called the European Council. Okay. They met in Brussels two uh, weeks ago to talk about a number of topics, but this, of course, um, took uh, primacy on their agenda. And the real question was, what would the EU do in this situation, and would it provide any assistance to Greece? Mm -hmm. Now, there are a number of mem member states that felt that, uh, given the way this crisis arose because of falsified data uh, and uh, fiscal irresponsibility, it would be wrong for the, um, for the EU to reward that kind of conduct. Sure. Uh, and what they really decided to do more than anything else, I think, <coughs> is hold the Greek government's feet to the fire. It had already pledged in January to the European Commission that it would, in fact, reduce its deficit by 4% of GDP uh, this year and 10 percentage points of GDP over the three years. Uh, and Greece said, we don't need assistance right now. And they were right. They didn't need assistance mm -hmm. at that moment. Uh, but the EU didn't want to offer a signal and say, well, fine, don't worry, we'll take care of your debt, we'll bail you out. Uh, there was considerable opposition. Some of the non-members of the Eurozone, that is countries in the EU that are still not uh, in the Eurozone, mm -hmm. such as Britain and Sweden, said uh, if Greece has a problem, it should just go to the IMF in the same way that Hungary went to the IMF in the fall of 2008, Latvia went to the IMF last year, so forth. Uh, Germany certainly wasn't in favor of, of a bailout or financial assistance. Mm -hmm. So what the EU leaders <coughs> said was um, uh, they asked the finance ministers to um, recommend additional measures that Greece has to take and to create a team of members of the Commission uh, aided by the European Central Bank and the IMF mm -hmm. uh, to go to Athens and study the books, look at the books, pour over the books, uh, look at every aspect of fiscal policy and come back and report to the finance ministers in March about whether additional measures have to be taken. I think everyone in the EU thinks that the package of measures proposed by the Greek government uh, won't get them 
down from 13 to 9 percent of GDP mm -hmm. deficit this year, and they are going to need additional measures. Uh -huh. uh, but that's something we won't know for sure until March when this team reports to the finance ministers on March 16th. Okay. Do you think there's a chance that Greece will um, be forced to leave the Eurozone and, and forego the Euro? No, I don't think so. I think uh, Greece will stay in uh, the Eurozone um, uh, and keep the Euro. Uh, if they left the Euro, uh, it would be uh, exceptionally difficult for them. We've never had a country leave the Eurozone. Mm -hmm. uh, there's really no exit clause. Uh, you would have to bring out the old currency again, mm -hmm. reintroduce it, take the Euros out of circulation, uh, wow. The drachma would be uh, very substantially depreciated relative to what its implicit exchange rate value mm -hmm. is now. Uh, and uh, the debt uh, denominated in euros would increase very substantially for uh, Greeks, uh, all those who owe uh, euro-denominated debt. So there would be a large number of defaults, um, bankruptcies in Greece, it would be probably a full-scale mm -hmm. economic catastrophe. Um, uh, moreover, uh, there's a very substantial amount of Greek debt that's held by French banks, yeah. about 75 billion, um, and German banks, about 50 billion. Uh, and uh, so they certainly don't have an interest mm -hmm. in having the situation deteriorate. So. I think uh, they won't be bailed out. Uh, uh, they won't break out in mm -hmm. that sense. They might be assisted, and I think that's much more likely that the European Union will perhaps on a voluntary basis, on a state-by-state -state voluntary basis, decide that there might be a good reason to step in and help Greece perhaps by buying some of their bonds mm -hmm. when uh, they go into the market for this 20 to 25 billion um, or having their banks buy some of the bonds and stand behind them with loan guarantees or other guarantees. Uh, I think that's what will happen. It'll be something in other words between going to the IMF and uh, giving up the euro. Wow. What about the speculation about the other countries in Southern Europe and um, this crisis affecting them as well? What do you think will happen there? Well, that's, uh, that's been a big concern mm -hmm. uh, of the Europeans, of the EU, and, and a um, question that's looming over this. Uh, Greece is an important state, of course, but it's a relatively small state. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not the only state that has a problem. Uh, Portugal has a deficit of about 9% of GDP. Spain has a deficit of about 12% of GDP. Uh, they both have deficits that have to be brought down. It's very difficult to do that, obviously, especially when uh, we're in a situation of, uh, of uh, serious uh, economic, uh, or you might say the aftermath of the economic crisis of last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spain, for example, has an unemployment rate of roughly 20 percent right now. Uh, wow. It's very difficult politically uh, for governments, and it turns out Spain and Portugal both have party uh, governments controlled by left parties. Very difficult for for any government, but especially one with uh, uh, that's controlled by the left, 
um, to uh, implement austerity programs at a time of uh, where the countries really haven't begun to recover. Uh, that's politically very hard to sell. Sure. So they're facing this problem uh, as well. Now mm -hmm. the difference with um, Spain and, uh, and Portugal is they don't have nearly as much debt as, uh, as Greece uh, relative to GDP. Their debt to GDP ratios are in the area of 60 to 80 percent, which is high, but it's not nearly uh, in the triple digit range that Greece is in. And they also don't have the credibility problem that Greece has. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one, one person said recently, there are lies, damned lies in Greek statistics. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Spain and Portugal don't really have that problem, at mm -hmm. least as far as we know. So there may be some speculative uh, attacks on, on, um, on Portuguese and uh, Spanish bonds, which mm -hmm. might mean that they have to pay a high risk premium or an increasing risk premium but I don't think they're going to face the same problem that Greece mm. has. Greece is really the problem, and that's the problem that has to be solved from the point of view of the EU. And it looks like it should be a, a difficult problem to solve. Okay, if we step back and look at the big picture, does what happened suggest <laughs> there are more <laughs> fundamental and deep-seated um, problems in the EU's plan to create a single central bank? Uh, I think so. I think if uh, I think if you ask that of an economist, uh, an economist would say what this crisis illustrates is that the eurozone is not an optimal currency area. Mm. Uh, the countries are not sufficiently convergent in terms of their economic structures, the underlying structures, uh, for them to really have a single currency. And mm -hmm. that's correct. And it certainly will be correct when the other member states of the EU come into the Eurozone. This is a political construct. It's not an optimal currency area. It wasn't mm -hmm. designed to be one. I think the more important problems, though, looking forward, are that the crisis suggests two serious problems in, in the EU. Uh, one involves uh, a problem of competitiveness, and the other is the problem of coordination and ultimately economic government. Competitiveness meaning that uh, the countries of Southern Europe that are in the Eurozone, uh, Greece, Portugal, Spain, and Italy to a large degree, really aren't able to compete as well as they should be able to compete with uh, the other uh, member states in the Eurozone. Those countries, the, the southern countries, mm -hmm. have experienced a trade deficit every single year since they locked the currencies in 1999. Uh, they have not been able to sell as much in terms of exports, and they've been buying a lot more imports uh, from the other member mm -hmm. states of the EU. Uh, there are some deep problems in their economic structures uh, and the EU members, when they created EMU, glibly assumed that if the countries met certain statistical requirements, they would have a high degree of conver sustainable convergence. That clearly hasn't happened. There is a competitiveness problem that really reflects an underlying structural problem. The real question is, how do you deal with that competitiveness issue uh, in a system in which there is no economic government. Mm -hmm. 
And one of the interesting things that has happened in this crisis is that more and more people are beginning to look at this old idea that came up in the mid-90s when Europe began to move toward EMU of an economic government. The French proposed this idea in a way to, to offset the control by the European Central Bank over monetary policy. They felt the finance ministers should be able to control mm -hmm. uh, fiscal policy and coordinate fiscal policy. Well, they have a Eurogroup that is the uh, finance ministers of the member states that participate in the Eurozone, but the Eurogroup has no powers. It meets for dinner the night before the uh, finance ministers meet uh, every month, but other than that, it has no real power. And as we saw last year in the economic crisis, uh, the EU um, was really not very able to coordinate its economic response to the crisis. Its response was, I think would be generous to say, was feeble uh, last wow. year. Uh, now, uh, many people have looked at this crisis and said, uh, given the fact that the EU is now sending a team that includes IMF advisors uh, and ECB advisors to Greece to look at its books, look, go over fiscal policy, make recommendations for other additional measures that will have to be adopted probably in order to get some assistance from the other member states. That in a sense, the EU is taking one small step toward economic government. Mm -hmm. It's not clear exactly what economic government would mean, but it would probably mean basically exercising collective authority over the fiscal policies of the member states. And in that sense, this crisis may move Europe a small, small step toward economic government. But I should say, we just had a completion of the negotiation and approval of the Lisbon Treaty, which mm -hmm. took effect in December 1st uh, last year. And no one in Europe, after the long process of trying to revise the institutions uh, that uh, ended up in the, the failed constitutional treaty and then the Lisbon Treaty. No one in Europe can imagine writing another treaty and going through that long, decade-long process uh, in any time in the near future. Mm -hmm. So we're likely not really to get to economic government, but it is at least a vision that For is uh, back, uh, it's back on the agenda mm -hmm. as a possibility. Very good. Well, it'll be interesting to see how things unfold. It will be. Thanks very much for being here with us today. You're welcome. For more information about Professor Cameron and his work, please visit our website at yale.edu backslash Macmillan Report. Be sure to join us again for another episode of the Macmillan Report, made possible through funding from the Whitney and Betty Macmillan Center for International and Area Studies at Yale.